Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Let's talk love consciousness. Love has been defined and measured by many different parameters over time. Love. Just Google love in, in, in Wikipedia and you'll be dizzy. Culture. One of the earliest teachers of life is culture. And then from culture came philosophy. Because culture starts to be organized into schools of thought. Systemic, organized schools of thought. Right? People gather a bunch of thoughts in a particular subject and start to consolidate it and start to teach it as authority. That's essentially where philosophy started to evolve from. Are you here? So philosophy evolved, psychology evolved, because then we need to start building patterns from the schools of thought. That's essentially what psychology is. Right? Start building patterns and you know, behavioral patterns. Overt, which is on inside or intrinsic or internal and covert, which is external, you know, or what people can see, right? So you start to build cognitive behaviors, all right? Behavioral patterns and start to, all you're doing is essentially patterning what philosophy or what knowledge has told us is what we have observed as the trend in this particular matter. So this one and that one and that one added together will bring about this reaction in a human being. Does that make sense? And this reaction in a human being will reflect this way in, in his relationship with other people. Yeah, That's cognitive behavior. How a person is most likely to behave on account of a series of information that he has come into. Right? Psychology. So we have culture, we have philosophy, we have psychology. These are all things that have informed the so-called definitions of love. And then we come into a dangerous one. Entertainment. And it will take a lot of humility for you guys to admit that entertainment has formed a huge, played a huge part in forming your mindset. Huge part. Huge part. Huge part. Print media, electronic media. Huge part. And, and the funny thing is some of you still think it's random. The song is written about a particular thing. And the music video is nothing like what was sung. I think they're just trying to show you that they have good cameras. The subliminal messages contained in, in entertainment is ridiculous. There's people that pour money into Hollywood to frame your thought. They know if they ask you to watch a, for instance, a gay movie, you'll not watch it. You say, ah, it's gay. And then they call the LGBTQ movement and give them 15, 20, 30 million dollars and tell them do a film that shows your ideals. And every now and then you see inferences, characters. By the time you finish watching the movie, you are not watching a gay movie, but you are thinking gay. You're not watching a movie, you didn't get up and say, let me watch a movie that will make me sad and cry and feel like killing myself. Because you don't understand that these guys actually sit down and determine what message they want to pass, what paradigm they want to alter, and they put money in that direction. Push money in that direction. Image change is powerful. 
Image change, powerful. Because image is everything in entertainment. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm saying you should understand that it is deliberate. It doesn't just happen. It's deliberate. It's deliberate. And a lot of what you believe is informed by entertainment. That's why me, I have never been a trend-following human being in my life. In fact, I, I hate trends. Trends show me what I should not be doing. Vogue. Shows me what I should not be caught up in. You will find me there. Oh, you are wearing Timberlands. Oh, they are not in vogue anymore. I am the vogue. Me. This is your money that bought it. Oh, nobody's bobbing their hair like this. Everybody's bobbing their hair like that. They are all stupid. How can one person tell everybody how to bob hair? It's not the person that told them to bob hair that is the problem. It's the people that were stupid enough to do it. You don't know the problem. You give a job and a voice and a platform to the person that told you what to do. You get up, wake up in the morning, wear trousers, wear socks, wear slippers. Then tuck your pants inside the socks. And now walking around feeling like a chimpanzee. And that's you have dress so Jogging bottoms, inside socks, socks inside slippers. People are now buying expensive slippers to put socks leg inside. And walk around because somebody started it. And then you're, a, you're a guy. Your shoe leg, your, your leg length is 31. Your waist is 32. You go and buy size 24 waist jeans. That is 20 inches in length. So you can wear it here. May a dog bite you in dress. Can you dress up? And your, your waist. Is this your waist? It's not even your hips. It's not even your hips. You now have... Almost one foot of boxer. Then you can't walk straight. Because if you walk straight, your jeans will go down. And you don't understand that the origin of that was American prisons. So sexually available males wore their pants low as a sign to the other prisoners that if anybody wants to do a man, I'm gay. That's where it came from. Walking around feeling cool. They say, I don't know why the sister is not answering me. She will not answer you in Jesus' name. She will not answer you. Have you thought of how your child, your son will be raised? Have you, thought, have you thought about how your boy will be raised? So I question the trend. For me, trend is always an indicator. Don't do that nonsense. I wake up, I feel like wearing a shirt, I wear it. I feel like wearing a shirt, I feel like wearing a shirt, I wear it. It's my own. Sons of God being dictated to by the systems of this world. See how low we are fallen. We must drive this car. You must live in this kind of house. You must wear that kind of wristwatch. You must wear that kind of shoe. Then you see brothers wearing trousers that are keeping malice with the floor. Then you see that you see your yellow socks. You see his, his fashion. From where? From where? Because even by human secular gentlemanly standards, we are not, if we see your socks, your pants are too short. That's etiquette. You now wear red socks and deliberately wear your pants short so we can see that your socks matches your tie. Eh? It's the in thing. And a lot of us walk around being dictated to by popular culture. Trying to be cool. Trying to be involved. I'm not consulting anybody when I'm doing what I'm doing. And so love. Informed by entertainment. Another dangerous one. Literature. Books. Books. That other humans like you 
in more, most cases, more twisted than you. Now, woe to you if you think that I am attacking the merit in literature. But literature is exactly what it is, literature. It's not a manual for life. And there's a problem when you want to take something from the pages of the other books to live your life. <laughs> the other books. You want to borrow from the pages of the other books to influence how you live your real life. Which is by faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm addressing strongholds today. The reason why we have flunked the love concept is because we have refused to let everything else be a lie in favor of what love is. I've refused. So we struggle in every single relationship we have, including our relationship with God. Because we don't want to let go. What you think love is, is so popular that when it is accosted and confronted by the truth, you want to put down the truth in favor of what you know. That's the problem. The problem is the church already has love predetermined and predefined for her. That's the problem. A lot of what the church is caught up in today is what was predetermined and predefined for them. A lot of the dogmas, a lot of the mindsets is what has been predetermined for you and handed over to you. Chief culprit, love. No, no, don't talk about, don't, don't talk about love. Because everybody has an individual concept of love. All of which are wrong. No exception. If your concept of love is unique to you, you are wrong. Just as if your concept of God is unique to you, you are wrong. You're an idolatry. You created your own God. Whatever name you call him, even Jehovah. Because you see, there's no monopoly on the name. I can call this thing my God and name it Yahweh. God will not come and be angry with you and fight you. Why do you give my name to graving images? So the fact that somebody says Jehovah doesn't mean you are serving the same God. <laughs> because people have had their contorted versions of God and giving him, giving him the name that is similar to the name you use for yours. If your version of love is unique to you. I understand love to be, that's the problem. Because it means somebody somewhere using something has fashioned your understanding of love. And because it came from somebody, it is wrong. Because everything I've mentioned now, culture, philosophy, psychology, literature, entertainment, are all linked to people. Yes. They are all anthropological in nature. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> they originate from man. Yes. Anthropos. And because they originate from man, all of them of a necessity and surety are wrong. Yes, sir. Yes. That's where we must start from. Yes. If we're going to take the love conversation seriously. Yes, sir. If we're going to take the love conversation seriously, that's where we must start from. You do not know love if you know it from culture, philosophy, psychology, entertainment, and literature. And of course, popular culture. Or pop culture as they call it. Pop, for some of you do not know, being the short form or the acronym of popular. Popular culture. If that's the, inf the source of your love, then it is wrong. As always, I wrote here, while some of these courses may have some merit, it is all another failed attempt to define by human terms something that is not of human origin. As always, with everything else, it is another failed attempt 
to define by human terms something that is not of human origin. Why? Simple. Love did not begin with man. Can we all say that together? Love did not begin with man. Man did not fabricate or originate love. So man on his own cannot know, understand, practice, or teach love. Because love did not begin with man, man on his own cannot know, understand, practice, or teach love. Man cannot. On his own, cannot. Why do we say that? Because love is exclusively a God thing. I think that's something we should say together. Love Love is exclusively, exclusively a God thing. There is no love that did not originate from God, including sexual Oh, the God kind of love. There is, there's nothing as the not God kind of love. Then it is not God. It's not love. There's nothing like that. Before you go, oh no, the, the one that a, a man has for his woman that he loves, the one that a father has for their child, uh, what's it called? Storge. Some of you don't even know that. There are actually like six different kinds of love. There's phileo, there's eros, there is... Agape, there is Storge, family love, there's Philosia, and there's a sixth one, a friend. Can't remember what that one is called. There's six. And, and you know this, all these six um, love forms, you know they all come from Greek philosophy? All of them. From Greek philosophy, I dare say Greek mythology. I don't want to glorify it by even calling it a philosophy. But in church, they focus on three. That's all they know. That's all their teachers taught them. And again, this is common knowledge. It's not hidden. It cannot be said to be love if it did not originate from God. Are you here? Hmm. It's God who loves. It is God who is love. I repeat, it is God who loves. It is God who is love. And then who commends his love towards us. Who's here with me? If man will ever love and get it right, all of their love would be a response to and a reflection of God's original love. If man will ever love and get it right, all of their love, all of mankind's love, will be a response to God's original love and a reflection of God's original love. If man will ever love and get it right, all of man's love, all, Family, sexual, friendly, you know, all of man's love will be a response to God's original love and a reflection of God's original love. Did you get that? Therefore, we cannot walk in love in defiance to what love says he is. We cannot walk in love in defiance to what love says he is. If you're walking contrary to what love says he is, you can't to be walking in love. And that's why you're making a mess of it. We also cannot be in love without referring to the love pattern. 
cannot be in love without referring to the love pattern. You can't be in love on your own terms. You can't be in love according to the pattern of the OAP on radio that does a love show. You can't be in love according to what you saw in the movie. Or what you read in that book. That other book. Something clearly has fiction written on it. Then you arm it. It had no life until you gave it yours. And that's what writers hope for when they write fiction. They write and put it out there and hope that somebody will arm it with the life it needs to go viral. Meanwhile, the person that wrote it is not living by what they wrote. They know they wrote fiction. In fact, in most cases, they don't even put their name as the author. In most cases, they don't put their name as the author. I'm not even talking ghost writers. I'm talking about me. I write a book. It's fiction. I don't want to put Alexander Victor on it. I choose a pen name and put and say, this one was written by. And you're running around giving life to somebody's imagination. A lot of these guys, that's not their names. They have you believing what they do not believe and profiting from it. Most actors are not what you see on screen. Alfred almost lost his life because of how good he portrayed a character that I know Alfred enough to tell you it's not him. But now you look at somebody and say, oh, look at that person acted this film. Do you know how many cumulative surgeries and hospital appointments, how many bones he breaks? Because he insists on doing his stunts himself. Push themselves. You think they're supermen. Why are they hurting themselves on set? If they are so super. Because if you are so super, by the time you are acting, you should not be breaking a bone. Yes, sir. You know you are super. Yes, they break bones, end up in hospitals and all that stuff because they are human. Yes, sir. And they are happy to walk away from the movie set to their normal lives. Yes. They are happy to do that. They sell you a glamorous world that is wrong. Whatever love is, it is not a feeling. Yes, you know that much in this house. Yes. Camera is rolling and as soon as camera is done, they just can't wait to go back home and have a normal life. You are all over the world copying somebody on screen who finished shooting and went home. Do you understand? Seven days max, they came out of character, went back home. You will now sit down. You like, and they they shape your worldview. People that shape your worldview left it when they finished acting it. You're not foolish. You get up and you want to cut your hair after a character who cut their hair for the movie. They cut their hair for a film, grow it for a film, add weight. I'm talking kilos for a character. Shared weight. You know, imagine adding 20 kg to your body weight for one role. When you finish acting it, you lose it. Grow your beard for a role. You're done. Take it off. Take it off. Are you getting the point? So love is not a feeling. When we did imitate the emotions of Jesus, I talked about the fact that emotional expressions are generated by an individual as a reflection of what overcame you at a particular time. So I said this in imitate. Emotions of Jesus. An emotional reaction is generated by what, what, what you were feeling at a time. 
Now we cannot make that into a standard because what you feel at a time will not be there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why love fails is because we are operating at the level of feeling. And feelings by virtue of being feelings change. So our commitment continues to go according to the feeling. And it's undulating. When you don't feel like it, you abdicate. When you feel like it, let's do it again. You don't know love. Because by your very definition of love, you are lost. Because if God will treat you according to what you say love is, then you cannot claim to be eternally saved. God has to be feeling good for you to be safe. You ought to not have offended God at all for you to know that you are safe. And that's the religion's God. Because if it doesn't feel good, you're in trouble. It's a consuming fire. And this, he doesn't have a problem consuming his children that he died to save. So by your very definition of love, you are lost. In other words, but if we're to go by love how you know it, you cannot claim to be eternally saved. Now, conversely, you cannot also say, well, I know God loves differently. I love differently. You are a wheat. Because what you're saying is you, you understand the concept of God's love. And you agree that it is by that love that you are saved forever. But you cannot be bothered to love like that. See, it's better to know the standard and aspire to it than to deceive yourself and walk in self-denial that no, it's not achievable. Know the standard. Know that you fall short. Know where you fall short and walk at it. I repeat, know the standard. Know that you fall short. Know where you fall short and work at it. Don't say nobody can do it. Me, this is how I love. From where? From who? My father taught me. Your father was limited in his understanding. Oh, my teacher taught me. Limited in understanding. This is how I know love. From where? Feel all that I don't feel like. I feel like. We're happy. We're cool. We're not cool. We're together. We're not together. Every time, look at me, everybody. Every time you loved as a feeling, look at me, everybody, you failed. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Check. Every time you loved as a feeling, it ended badly. Every time. Every time you follow your feeling, it ends up badly. Listen, your feelings cannot be trusted beyond the measure that your mind has been renewed. Because feelings come and go. I'm hungry. It's how you can be so hungry, you're no longer hungry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you're hungry long enough, you no longer need to be hungry. Your tummy just closes up. You see food. You are repulsed. Yes. You are running. You are gymming. And you want to pass out. It's a lie. Your body can take more. Yes. Once you can push past the place where you feel like you are dying. Yes. You are fine. Yes. You are running. The first one kilometer. Oh my God. Your glutes are killing you. Your lungs are burning. And you tell yourself. I am going to die now. Here. Once you can go past it. You are fine. Around 10k. Because it's feeling. Feel like my head is going to explode. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. So love cannot be relegated to your feeling because your feelings always change. Feelings always change. Let me destroy another myth. Love is not developed over time. If it was developed over time, it's not love. If there's no love except of God, If man is not the origin of love, man cannot rewrite the dynamics of love. I repeat, you cannot walk in love 
without referring to the love pattern? Did God use time to love you? Or is it that God has otus love the world? Did God develop feelings for you? After observing you for a season, he hung with you a bit. Came in the garden, went back, you know, just checked you out for a bit, observed your nature, observed your character, and then decided, yeah, you know what, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm in love with you. The church is not yet ready for what she was saved into. We're not ready to enter what we are saved into. Because if we are, we'll stop all the noise. Offload everything you thought you knew. And let's stay with the scriptures and let the scriptures prove himself. Love is not a reward for performance. Love is not a reward for long suffering. If he stays long enough, it means he's serious. She persists long enough. Listen to me carefully. If a lady, guys, hear me carefully. If a lady doesn't take to you initially, if she does, you spend all your life servicing it. You spend all your life paying for the fact that she chose to consider you. Don't force a woman to fall in love with you. And don't force yourself to fall in love with someone. Ladies, don't settle. I, 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 as we go, he will get, I think he will be okay. He will, he will, he will, I think he will fall in place. It's you that will fall out of place. Because love is not a feeling. Love is not an acquired taste. Love is not what you realize after a while is happening to you. It's not a realization. Are you here? Doesn't it develop over time? Leads me to the next point. Because love is not developed over time, people do not fall in love. Again, where did you get that from? Popular culture. Entertainment. Are you following me now? Philosophy. Not from love. Because according to secularism, what is it? What does it mean to fall in love? I'll explain. I'll give you the dictionary definition. And you can check it. You never paid attention to me before. To fall in love means to suddenly or unexpectedly develop sexual or romantic attraction for someone. Suddenly or unexpectedly develop sexual or romantic attraction or feelings, if you like, for someone. So the concept of falling in love is that you find yourself in love without necessarily having planned to be in love. And most times that's how you say, I fell in love with him. Before I knew it, I fell in love with her. And you now found, find yourself swimming against the tide of your discovery. Because sometimes when you find you are in love, it's not either not the kind of love you want to be in, or not the kind of person you want to be in that kind of love with, or not the kind of time you want to be in love with that kind of person in that kind of way. So you find yourself swimming against the tide. Because you fell in love. You unexpectedly or suddenly developed attraction for someone. But that's what we sell as being in love. Are you here now? Oh, I fell in love with her. I didn't plan it. (laughs) 
I just found myself sexually attracted to. Romantically or sexually attracted to. Or attached to someone. You're with somebody all the time. You're hanging out and hanging out and cuddling. And the next thing you do, one day, just not like they show you in the movies. Just see the lips, you know. So we're not talking, you know. Talking and then crying like, oh yeah, it's going to be okay. Everything is going to be alright. You're going to... Now here's what happens. You kiss off camera. And then you now go back. You now sit down. All you are thinking about is that kiss. Or if you slept with them, that session, you're like, wow, that was nice. I would like that happening. Does that mean, does that now mean that, you know, you now feel an emotional compulsion to further or deepen your engagement with that person on account of the sexual expression at whatever degree. Then you say, bro, I think I'm falling in love. As I've said over and over, it's not good to build a relationship that is sexually charged. You will not think straight. You won't ever think straight. And the day something stands in the way or questions that sexual energy or chemistry, you feel like you have been invalidated. The day somebody who knows you sexually doesn't want you anymore, you feel that your entire worth has crashed. You find yourself not necessarily wanting them, but you find, it, you find yourself wanting to be wanted by them. And for a lot of people, it's not about them wanting someone. It's about them getting to the point where they live off of wanting to be wanted. Well, if you want me, it makes me feel like I have some value. So you can have me. I can deaden my own senses in favor of just enjoying the fact that you thought about me and you want me. And then the other person is happy to just take because, well, you are not going to say no. And that's how we make the whole world predators. It's not just the takers that are predators. It's those who will give when they know they shouldn't give. I don't think the church is ready for this conversation. So we are constantly making each other do stuff. Not willingly. There's no way you can... I mean, there's some things things I can't wrap my head around. I can't wrap my head around being with somebody, especially sexually, who doesn't want to be with me. How do you get the turn on? How do you get the kicks? That you want to be with me is not even enough. I have to want to be with you. I have to want you to be with me. It has to be reciprocal for it to make sense. In any way, shape or form. But you see our mindset, our worldview is defined by everything around us and not by love himself. To think you fall in love. You, you know, I, I, I just liked him and over time I found myself loving him. You will soon find yourself out of love with him. One day he'll wake up and be out of love with you because what drew you together? We used to spend a lot of time together. We used to have conversations. We'll talk on the phone two hours. Wait until he meets another person that can go four and give him the air time for the four. What are you saying? Wait until you meet somebody who can chat longer. Oh, the sexual chemistry is great. You have not met some daughters of Jezebel. They will mix chemistry with physics and biology. Add government and history. You sing a new song. And then what happens? To your sexual chemistry. There's only one subject you had. Chemistry. What happens when the other subjects pile up? With A plus in all of them. Then what? The energy I feel around her is just really nice. Just really, just really beautiful. I'm just different with her. People do. 
people they will. So you now find yourself dulling in your sensual and spiritual perception because you have warmed up to somebody. That's why I've always told ladies in this place. You say, I gave him my number. He's disturbing me. Are you crazy? When you gave him your number, you expected him to frame it. <laughs> oh, I, I gave him my number. I didn't think he would call me all day. I didn't think he would call me. He's been calling me. He's been disturbing me. What do you expect? Then I've said to you over and over, both individually as daughters and in Sun Talk and in LTR, I've said over and over, if somebody approaches you, boy or girl, boys, girls, they find us so and telling you the truth. They are husband, then they rush us. You now say, I am not interested, but we can just be friends. You just died. The only thing worse than saying no to a guy or girl is giving them friendship as a consolation prize. The only thing worse than saying no and walking away is offering friendship as a consolation prize because I always ask you, on a given day, you went out believing God for friends. You're not looking for a relationship. Is this the person you would have chosen as a just friends? So you are telling me that your friends consist of failed suitors. So you are dumping ground for systemic emotional failures. You are dumping ground for systemic relational aborted attempts. The guys around you are people who try to sleep with you or try to date you or try to court you or marry you that you said no, but because you feel like you are the God that is the heart mender, you don't want to break their hearts. You keep them around you and they constitute your friends. You are twisted. Or somebody that slept with you by mistake, you say, no, you know, I mean, we didn't, you know, you know, we shouldn't have done this, you know, so we cannot do it again. But we can just be friends. You have left the window open. No, Pastor, I don't know what happened. You lie. Yes, sir. You knew, you weren't conscious. Is anybody learning today? Yes, sir. So, no, we can be friends. So, when you went out looking, believing God for friends, that's the kind of person you'd have, because if you're honest with yourself, you will not have on a good day chosen that that person is your friend. So a lot of you have friends that you did not define. Male and female. Somebody paid your fare in the taxi. Thank you. Let him go. Let her go. Somebody was nice to you in the, in the HOD's office. Praise God for their life. Let him go. You go through, enter Google and check your contacts. 70% of the people, you don't know them. You don't have no business with them. But you're afraid to you are afraid to delete and come down to know you have only 40 useful contacts. Because your security is measured by the volume of attention you think you have in your contact list. Somebody came and did carpentry for you this afternoon. And then by evening is checking your WhatsApp status. Why? Most of us are surrounded by relationships we did not define. Now find yourself relating untowardly with people you would have had otherwise no business relating. So sometimes you look at yourself and your value and what you know. And we look at who you're relating with. Beautiful son of God. Full of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. In whom the spirit of God dwells. And I see your friends and there's no correlate. Even you are ashamed to be seen with those people. So you hide them before us. Keep them away from the church. Keep them away from your sisters. Keep them away from your brothers. You're not confident enough to say this is my friend. Because you know we'll question the kingdom value in that relationship. Because you found, you thought it was an acquired taste. That's how something bitter, drank long enough, begins to taste sweet. Sons of God, don't fall in love. 
I asked the other day, I said, why do we keep saying fall? Why can't we say, and this person stood in love? Can I continue? Yes, sir. Love, deliberately expressed, is growth in action. Love, deliberately expressed, not accidental or unexpected, deliberately expressed. Listen to me, if you meet somebody that you are meant to love in a heterosexual way, as a son of God, you are supposed to know immediately. There are non-negotiables that should play out before your spirit in a flash. I repeat, there are non-negotiables that should play out in your spirit in a flash. You read someone after the spirit, not after the flesh. You don't start rolling with someone to know if they are relationship material. I said during, let's, let's talk relationships. How many of you went to the market, collected the material, said, let me go and try it. Let me sew it, try it and see if I go work. You went and looked at the material and went, this looks like it will work for what I need it to work for. And then it's children of God you are playing chess with. Sons of God. You see a brother in, in church. He has already spoken to six sisters in the church. He will not marry anyone. None of them will marry you. You know why? Because you are not sure. You don't know. You are trying to sow your wild oats. Even if virtually at, at best. You are just hoping that one of them will say yes because you want to settle down. Because one minute, you are, you spoke to this one. next minute, you spoke to that one. Next minute, my friend, short, you? you're not ready to marry. Because you're looking for a female. You're not looking for a woman. You're looking for someone who can do what females do. Because if there's a woman on your mind, when you see her, you know. If there's a man on your mind, when you see him, you know. You will never say, I'm under pressure. Time is not against, it's not on my, it's not on my side. Time is against me. My family members are stressing me. People are asking me, where's your God? Your God traveled. Went for camp. Went for camp. Be back soon. You know. You know, believers, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. I, uh, man. You must get tired of making excuses. Both for yourself and for others. Honestly. Honestly. A lot of times you make excuses for other people. You know, you know that guy is not son of God. You know. You know there's something about your spirit that doesn't link up with his. You know. But you're hoping you can make it work. And when I ask you, you know that you know that it's not it. And you're wondering why I'm spending so much time talking about you and others. If we're talking about love and God, wait for me. I will show you a scripture that will shock the bones out of you. 1 John 3.14 Don't stand and tell me you are a son of God and you struggle with loving your brother. I didn't say it. Scripture did. All of your salvation is questionable and is a lie. You are not saved if you can't love your brother in church. This is how we know that we have passed from death to life because yet we can be assured that we have been translated from spiritual death 
into spiritual life because we love the family of believers. A loveless life remains spiritually dead. The message. The way we know we've been transferred from death to life is that we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who doesn't love, so forgive me for being so particular. Forgive me for making this as serious as I make it. Because this is all the seriousness there is to it. Why do you think I will stand here and tell you over and over in the presence of many witnesses, forget about loving God? Why do you think I will stand and tell you such authoritatively? Forget about loving God. You need college to love him. And so for anybody to trivialize the subject of love in the church is for the person to show without a shadow of doubt that they are not saved. I don't care how many scriptures on new creation you know. And you, if you get up and you're telling yourself, I'm eternally saved, I cannot be lost. It doesn't matter that I don't love a brother. You're already lost. Only a, only a lost person, only a pervert person will even think like that. If, if all you heard now is that you want to defend your salvation, you don't have it. You have just shown by that thought that you don't have it. You just love the concept and the liberty it gives you. Because if you are truly saved, that's not the first or last thing that will come to your mind. It will not be, I don't need to love, I'm saved. Your love is not hinged on how, what I do with my brother or sister. They're not saved. Because no regenerate mind will think like that. I, I've gone ahead of myself. I'll come to that in a bit. I'll come to show you how, if I can, and I, I, if I don't, I don't know when I'm going to finish this. I will show you in a bit how love does not benefit spirit beings. No spirit benefit from love. No spirit. Only bodies do. I won't stand before you and say stuff that the scripture doesn't corroborate. I take time and study. I take time. That's why, that's why I took time to give that introduction. So you can be ready. Love expressed deliberately is growth in action. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3. 2 Thess 1 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. As it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards God. Your faith grows exceedingly. That is to say, Kai, the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. That's growth. Your love abounding towards each other. Is growth. Why do you think Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, if I'm without love, I'm just a noisemaker. Loud clanging symbol. And even though I give my body to be burned, so you can give your body to die for somebody, and you are not walking in love. Because if that was love, Paul would not say, even though I give my body to be burned, and yet I don't have not love. That means there's a possibility that you give yourself out and not in love. In obligation. In the sense of self-validation. Trying to establish your self-worth as a reward for something. In compromise. There's a lot of things you can do. Your faith grows exceedingly. And you are bound with love with one another. Not some of you, but you all. Did you notice that word? 
You all. That means there's not one among you guys in Thessalonica that is not loving the other. That's growth. When we love and express it deliberately. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12. Paul is praying for them. Same church. And he tells them, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in what? To where? Does anyone not have a problem with why Paul is never telling them that or praying that their love should abound towards God? Why Paul never says they should abound in love to God? Why is he constantly referring them to one another? You see John will come and explain shortly in 1st John. Paul John will tell them that this has been the plan from the beginning that you love one another. That's what your salvation boils down to in the earth. From the beginning, what was on God's mind? Was I love you, you love you. That's the end of the gospel. That's the end of the gospel. So you have thrown away a fundamental validation of your salvation. If you think loving your brother is negotiable. You have discarded a fundamental validation of your salvation. Of your translation process. From death to life. You can't be singing that song and your heart towards me is dark. The very song itself convicts you. The very scripture you preach convicts you. And I hope the church is here listening. Love consciousness is the recognition of the workings of the nature of God by which you are saved. Love consciousness is the recognition of the workings of the nature of God that saved you. You being conscious of love is you recognizing the workings, the mechanisms of God's nature that saved you. In other words, to not be love conscious is to have no regard for how God saved you. And therefore, it casts aspersions on your salvation. How are you saved if you don't respect it? Let's have this conversation. There's a lot of confusion in new creation reality. People are twisting scripture and forcing it to say what it doesn't say. To justify their own proclivity and justify their convenience. Any gospel that champions your convenience is antichrist. Any gospel that champions your convenience above the truth of scripture is antichrist. You can deceive yourself all you want. This is how we know that you have passed from death to life. That's growth. Love deliberately expressed to one another. I asked myself a question. But Revelation says you have left your first love. I sat down began to study what Jesus meant by first love. Because when he said first love, he goes on to begin to explain the works they used to do among themselves in church that they stopped doing. Yes, Revelation 2. Yes, sir. Oh my God. I don't teach something because it's nice. No, I asked myself, I sat down. I got, see, because that's the first thing that came to my mind. But you, I have one grouse against you. You have left your first love. I'm like, okay, but that's love for you. No? In fact, some translations, even one or two, translate it as love for you. But then you study the context in Ref 2, and you see that it's referring to the fact that you used to do works among yourselves as a church, and you stopped. That's your love. Not love for me. Jesus picking on you for not loving him will negate everything he says about you loving one another in response to my love for you. No. no. That's the first thing I ask. What happens to you have left your first love? 
Then he asked me, what is your first love? Is it as expressed to me or as expressed to one another? See why I said the church gets love right. She's all right. A lot of times people have asked me, where did you learn love from? Every single time I've tried to answer according to scripture and they think I'm crazy. Because it's all there is to our living. It's funny how people like Buddhists and Sikhs and Hindus appreciate to a degree the purity of love beyond Christians. Islam champions togetherness, togetherness and uniformity, not so much love. Do you understand now? Islam champions uniformity, togetherness, structure, yeah, communal, a sense of community, not so much affinity. Do you understand? Well, Buddhism, Sikhism, Amishism, they champion a level of love that is so pure that it puts Christianity to shame while you're here making excuses for treating your brother badly, treating your leaders badly, treating your relationships and relegating them to your convenience and justifying it where everything and everyone should revolve around you and how you feel. You say, I'm a believer, I'm a son of God. By this we know. You can't love me today and you're not cool with me tomorrow. You can't. You lie. I repeat, love consciousness is the recognition of the workings of the nature of God by which you are saved. You can't despise love and respect salvation. You can't have salvation if you disrespect it. How shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? It comes to this statement I've been wanting to make all day. God's love informed his faith. God's faith activated his grace. God's grace delivered you salvation. Salvation brings you into his love. Full circle. I'll, I'll take it again. God's love informed his faith. It was because God chose to love you. Not suddenly and unexpectedly find himself attracted to you. There was nothing attractive about you. That's why it's not a feeling. There you see me and your heart needs to me. It needs to me. See, if you love me, nothing will shift your heart to me. If your heart can shift, you didn't love me. David saw Jonathan and a bond happened. Saul was out of line. Jonathan, by virtue of affinity, was bound to his father Saul. But not out of sync or out of step with his lover David. Even when he went with his armor bearer, fighting Saul's battle. He knew that if he saw David, he won't kill him. Somebody comes and says, <laughs> I escaped from the battle. I saw Saul falling on his sword, half dead. Called upon me and said, my son, come and put me out of my misery. So I took his sword and I killed him. And his son, Jonathan, is also falling on the mountain. David said, who are you? Of all places to be from, the guy said he's an Amalekite. Yes. Amalek. Amalek that was supposed to be wiped out. You are an Amalekite. And you raised your hand and touched God's anointing. He said, somebody fall on this man. Somebody, somebody kill this guy. And he recognized them as God's anointed. Took up a lamentation for Saul and Jonathan. And you say, you're in love and you can go up and down. You can go up and down. You can be moved by what you see. Moved by what you feel. Abdicate the commitment and responsibility that come with love. 
you make a mockery of love. See, somebody follow on this guy. Somebody follow him and keep And Saul, David took up a lamentation for Saul and Jonathan. Isaac had never met Rebecca before. Eliezer went on Abraham's behest. So God, he says, put your hand on my thigh. I swear that you will not take a wife for my son from this Canaanite. You will go back to our tribe. A type and shadow. This guy got up and traveled. Went back and met this lady by the well. Sorted the stuff up. Came back, brought it up. Went back to bring her. Isaac had never seen her. And scripture says in Genesis, and Isaac lifted up his eyes from afar off and saw her and loved her. Didn't change his mind once. Didn't fall in love. So he didn't fall out of love. Took her into his mother's tent and loved her. She became his wife. Not process, not feeling, not fleeting. It's a commitment. God didn't fall in love with you. I just wake up and realize, oh, there's something about sinners that attract me. You know, this is a new acquired taste I have now, you know. Sinners kind of feel cool. Because most times that's how we describe God's love. That's even worse than Eros. It was God deciding to bond with you. And therefore, it's spearheading the process of making you of the kind of stock that he will bond with. The kind of person that I can love. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, if you have a smelling mouth, go and clean up and come back. You're not in love. But when you are in love, you start to beautify. I like this. That is great. I'm not sure I like that. And the other. Let's do it like this. But you stay in it and start to grow. Not for it. From it. By it. Are you following me now? So God chose to take you and bond to you. The problem is you are not bondable. So by his faith, he speaks form into you. Because he reckoned you as formed, his grace, his ability goes to work, saving you to make you what he got into love with. You know what I mean? And that brings you into his love. Starts in his love, ends in his love. His love informed his faith. His faith activated his grace. His grace delivered salvation. Salvation brings you into his love. Full circle. So you see, in that circle, you have no contribution to God. You have no contribution to God. I wrote that this therefore means that if we are nonchalant in our love walk, we're not conscious of our salvation at all. God's love is a big deal. It's actually all the deal there is. Invisible spirits do not enjoy or benefit from love. Love is spiritual in nature, spiritual in outlook, spiritual in origin. The expressions of it are purely natural. Love's expressions are purely natural. You can't love me in your mind by the spirit. You can't love me in the spirit. Because spirits do not benefit from or enjoy love. Spirits from spirit only originates and this is love. Spirit gives you love. It doesn't need it. Because the spirit does not exist as a result of any natural contribution. (laughs) God is spirit. That's why he doesn't eat your offering. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't use your money. 
The church needs your money. The church uses your money. Religion doesn't like this. That's why money does not benefit God. Because spirits, sir, do not spend money or buy something. But how does the power to make wealth originate from the spirit? I am the Lord that teacheth thee to make wealth. But I don't spend it. I don't need it. Don't confuse what God created with what God needs. That God created it does not mean he needs it. So don't think you can bamboozle God by giving him what he created. How stupid does it sound that God now needed something, didn't give himself, now created you, and now gives you to choose to give him or not give him. But he needs it. But see, over the years, I've confused what God created with what God needs. That he originates from God doesn't mean that God spends it or that God requires it. Are you here now? So, spirits, love does nothing to them. Because they exist of the spirit who exists as the eternal spirit. Are you here now? He exists as the eternal spirits don't enjoy a benefit from love. I mean, even in the Old Testament where there was sacrificial um, animal sacrifices as types and shadows. Show me anyone that got it. Even the one that was meant for him was burnt. And he said, okay, aroma. And that aroma was a figure of speech. Because there's, listen to me, there's no animal you can burn in, in earth that will smell and reach heaven. Don't go anywhere. But, see, but do you see what I'm saying? Maybe you never thought about it before. That what kind of smell is going to smell in? If not the smell of reckoning. Smell was actually reckoning. Because he sees your process. He sees where your process originates from. He reckons it acceptable and then thinks it smells good. So even then, which sacrifice did God eat? Even the fatter, he said, nobody should eat my own. It's mine, it's the Lord's. What do you do with it? Now I ask you, in the same vein, what does he use your love for? What does he need it for? To make him be better as God? To keep him from killing you? To make him bless you? Because he's blessed you already. All spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. So really, of what use is your love? That's your love. Because spirits do not benefit from or enjoy love. Only bodies do. What is the church called? When Jesus left, who did he send into us? Spirit without a? Body. Now in a? Body. If God will accept your love, he will accept it in a? Body. If God will accept your love, he will accept it in a body. This body. Yes, yes sir. You want to show God you love him? Use this body. Use that body. Use this body. Stop being irrational. Trying to feign love for a spirit. And again, I'm speaking to the universal church. Stop pretending to love a spirit. John asks them, doesn't he? He says, you say you love a God you do not see. Is it coming together for you now? Again, same thing. I'm unpacking the same thing you've always known. Spirits do not benefit from. Enjoy love. 
So here's how God is going to feel your love in me. Because now it is Christ in me. The hope of glory. Take your eyes off of loving upward. Love outward. Love at me. Love God at me. I am the destination of your love for God. Tell your neighbor, I am the destination of your love for God. God is not. Love him. I'm not going to stop you. Give it to me. He can't use it. He cannot. He doesn't need it. Cannot convert it. Because he doesn't have a body. His energy he cannot convert. Except in me. His body. Except in the church. His body. You see why it's so crucial? I love you Lord. I love you. I love you. Thank you for your love for me. And your heart is full of evil. And grout. Towards your brother. Towards the body. That is supposed to be the recipient of this love for God. Hey, your destination of God's love is me. Yeah. I am your destination of God's love. I taught, taught you guys in CCB. God has never been seen. That was a shocker for some people. I said no one has seen God. It was an unapproachable light. 1 Timothy 1.17 Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, 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 in, not invincible. That means different. Yeah, invincible means something else. Invincible means that he's all powerful. Nobody can defeat him. Invincible. You can't defeat him. You can't kill him. You can't beat him. Invincible. Invisible. Yes. Is unseeable. First Timothy 6.16. First Timothy 6.16. Who alone has immortality? Who alone? He, who alone? Even Paul does not have it. <laughs> See why I taught you everybody who is dead is asleep. Nobody's in heaven. Who alone right now has immortality? Dwelling in honor. That's our hope. Oh. That's our hope. That's the glory to come. Immortality. Dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To whom be honor and everlasting power, amen. Unapproachable light, whom no one has seen nor can see. Our seeing of God is yet a future hope. First John 3 and 2. I'm bringing it together now. First John 3 and 2. Now are we the sons of God? It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed... We shall be like him. Why? For we shall see him as he is. So we don't see him yet. We see him, but we don't see him. We will see him. We shall see him as he is. And when we see him as he is, we shall be like him. So our seeing God is a future hope. Yet at the same time, we see him now. How? In the knowledge of Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we... With unveiled faces, we hold hands in a glass. The glory of God are being changed into the same image as by the Spirit of the Lord from glory to glory. Second Corinthians 4 6, God who caused light to shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Yes? So Christ Jesus makes God known. Yeah? John 1 18, Christ Jesus makes God known. John 1 18. 
No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father has declared him. So Christ Jesus reveals God to us. He is the knowledge of God by the Holy Spirit. To know God is to see and be conscious of Christ. To see and be conscious of Christ is to know God. And Christ Jesus, who is the explanation of God, is now in us. We are his body. So if you will honor God and honor Christ, sir, you will honor me. If I will honor God and honor Christ, I will honor you. Now you understand where my understanding of service comes from. That's why I can never be too big to serve the church. Never. Never be too big to serve the church. Those of you that serve like you are landlords. You serve from an intimidating point of view. Not if you are love conscious. Because I am the body now. You are the body. Together are we the body. To honor God is to honor each other. To love God is to honor, love each other. To give to God is to give to each other. No man can take my money. Only God will take it. Go and give it to God. Let God come out from the bush like a terrorist and collect it. You know how they put ransom for bandits to collect? Put the money for God. Let, if God is God, let him come and collect it. I will stop my gospel and believe in your God. So if you will give to God, you will give to me. If I will give to God, I will give to you. If Jesus were on the earth, we will make sure Jesus uses the best phones. It's Jesus. We make sure everybody follows his Instagram account. We repost everything Jesus posts, whether it makes sense or not. We repost it. Whether it makes sense or not. Whether we like it or not. As long as it comes from Jesus, we post it. Anything Jesus wants to eat, we we'll make sure it's available to him. We we'll post all our lives. Just we we'll call a meeting 20 times a week. We will come. I mean, it's Jesus. Drive the best cars. Jesus looks at his disciples and tells them, as surely as you did this to any of this, you did it to me. So please stop pretending that you love Jesus. When did we see you hungry and did not feed you? When did we see you naked and did not clothe you? When did we see you in prison and did not visit you? As surely as you didn't do it to this once, it was me. It was, Jesus didn't say as unto me. He didn't say like. He said if you didn't do it to this once, it was me you didn't do it to. If you did it to them, you do it to me. Why? Because they are my body. Stop pretending to love. How about Jesus is not here now. You see why I say you're not born again? So if, Jesus, if I will make sure Jesus didn't have a smartphone, Jesus had a smartphone and didn't have to struggle with that one, then when I see that you're struggling with that one, I make sure you have one. Because you are the body of Jesus. I am the body of Jesus. Problem is, it can't just be a bunch of us doing it. That's why Paul tells the Thessalonian church, you all abound in love with, towards one another. Can we say you all? You all. 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. 16 through to 19. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Are you seeing it? TPT. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. 
If anyone sees a fellow believer in need and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity and closes his heart against him, how is it even possible that God's love lives in him? I've taught sufficiently in this house that again, if you find yourself wanting to go to somebody at the end of the service and says and said, you're not helping me. How is it that God's love abides in you? You have just shown the people we should not help. You will not get help. Because you came as a thief and a robber. It's not your place to enforce this scripture. It's your place to practice it. Not to use it to receive. Because only armed robbers will use this verse to receive. Yes, Sons of God will use it to do. Yes, verse 18. Our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about. But a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. Verse 19. Last verse for this text. We know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action which will reassure our hearts in his presence. 1 John 2 and 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Tipity. The one who truly loves a fellow believer lives in the light and there's nothing in him that will cause someone else to stumble. Nothing. The message. It's the person who loves brother and sister who dwells in God's light and doesn't block the light from others. See, there are things you do in love because of the impact on the object of your love. If your convenience is what is driving your love, you are not in love. You are in lost obsession or infatuation. Yes, sir. A few weeks or months ago now, I posted some things. One of them said, do not let your love be based upon or driven by fear. Rather, let conscious reverence exude out of your love. The other one goes, the gratification that comes with spending a little convenience for love's sake is much less and unquantifiable, especially when you benefit of the same. It makes the world go round. Anybody remember that? Another one in the same season says, love equals graciously lavishing tons of your convenience upon the object of your affection and commitment. In other words, love is directly proportional to graciously lavishing tons of your convenience upon the object of your affection and commitment. Love, by its very nature, dismisses convenience by spending it freely. That's what our model taught us. Let me read the other one. Love is not convenient. It is driven by a deep-seated desire to do whatever it takes for the benefit of its beneficiary. Ask God. Remember that one? Driven by deep-seated desire to do whatever it takes for the benefit of its beneficiary, ask God. Just as money, another one, just as money, I did all this in one season. Just as money is the currency of business, convenience is the currency of love. When you'd spend convenience without ever checking your account balance, you know you're in love. Last one. In summary, in love, don't think convenience. 
spend convenience. Love is worth it all. Put that last scripture back up so you can see. First John 2. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. And we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God. And God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us. So that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. So we are Jesus in the world, to the world, for the world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But God's perfection, God's love, love's perfection, drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. 19. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated towards us. Our love for others. Our love for others. Anyone can say, I love God. Yet have hatred towards another believer. That makes him a phony. A fraud. A fake. A counterfeit. Because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can't see. How can you truly love God whom you can't see? For he has given us this command. Whoever loves God. Must also demonstrate love. To others. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12. I read that earlier. Go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 4, 9 to 10. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Do you see that? Paul is telling Thessalonians, I don't even need to talk to you about loving one another. God himself has taught you. He has shown you, Otus. Love one another. Next verse. And indeed, you do so towards all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. My final scripture, John 15. Thank you, Father. John 15, this is Jesus speaking. And we need verse 12. Jesus speaking to them says to them, this is my commandment. That you love me as I've loved you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Tipity. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as I have loved you. Verse 17, he repeats the same thing again. <laughs> so this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. Jesus does all these things for you and his concern is not your response to him. His response is your, his concern is your response to me as unto him. Whoever does not love does not know God. If there were any part of your faith walk, your love walk you were going to play with, not your love consciousness. On it hinges the very assurances of your salvation. Yes, sir. As you have seen through a plethora of scriptures. Taking you through multiple scriptures. That establish this doctrine. Is at the very core. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just remembered that other scripture. Thank you, Holy Spirit. First John 3 and 11 makes the fitting end scripture. First John 3, 11. I said I was going to show you guys this verse earlier. So I was running up, he dropped it in my spirit to remind you. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. From the beginning. So all God has been trying to see is treat me how you will treat him on account of how he treated you. From the beginning. Tipity or the message, anyway. For this is the original message we heard. So what are you preaching? If you are not doing this. The beautiful message you've heard right from the start. Is that we should walk in self-sacrificing love towards one another. To fight love is to fight God. Because God doesn't love. He is love. That's why he loves. This, this is the entirety of our salvation. The fulcrum of our faith. Love for one another. You do stuff for yourself you can't do for your brother. You put yourself first all the time. You're happy to take from somebody else. Happy to cut somebody else off. Happy to change your mood towards somebody. At any whim. Happy to excuse not giving. I read something the other day. One of the pastors posted on Facebook. He said, which, which of these scenes are likely? Oh, a guy couldn't come to work today. It was raining. Oh, Mr. Visa Officer of American Embassy. I, I'm sorry I couldn't make my interview because it was raining. I couldn't get transport. Can we please reschedule? Oh, pastor. Sorry, I couldn't make it to Christ's experience today. It was raining. I couldn't come out. And the pastor said, which of these scenarios is most likely? That shows where your priorities lie. Smile. Let your jaw ache. Serve. Let your hands kick. Love doesn't count the cost. You can't sit down there and just enjoy love and not give. Or give excuses for why your love is temperamental. Be conscious of God's love. It is the workings of his nature by which you are saved. So to despise love is to despise how you were saved. And that casts aspersions as to whether you are saved. Let's love one another. God gets all the thrill when you love me. Because you're looking after his body. And then we will not find it difficult to walk in honor all the time. To walk in sacrificial selflessness all the time. To value each other all the time. To submit to one another in the fear of God. As Paul tells the Ephesians all the time. Father, we thank you for your word again. We receive with meekness the engrafted word. Is able to save us. Thank you for your spirit that works in us to work out this that you're working into us. Thank you that we're better for it. And we're not a church that will burn with some false, strange fire for a few weeks. I rebuke every hypocritic spirit. Amen. And in its place, I decree an awakening of our hearts to the realities of your love. An awakening of our hearts to the realities of your word. That indeed they will be doers, indeed. But that we can pin this moment and say, 
as a church, this was our love transformation. And it becomes our love revolution. This is the message to the nations from the beginning. And we thank you for it. Thank you for your love. Expressed to us, expressed to one another as unto you. We repent of every former definition of love we have operated in. We lay it all aside. Every former description, every former perception and mindset and paradigm of love. Everything we thought we knew about what love was that has stood in the way of us loving according to you. We put it away. We allow your word form this new paradigm in us. We choose to walk in it for the rest of our days. And along the way we're giving you all the praise. And all the thanks and glory. Amen. We celebrate and give God praise tonight. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at War the Church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.